What's going on, Adonis? What up, my man? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Man, wonderful, wonderful. How's things going your way? Uh, trying to stay productive as, as best as we can. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No. Appreciate up, you. But... Yeah, but appreciate you for taking the time out for this oh, for sure. little minute. But, you know, you have so much history. We talked extensively with Beacox about his career last yeah. week, and really, we got to get Adonis. He has a historical, legendary career as well, so we got to get through everything. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. This platform is really, really cool, too, for everybody just to, you know, to be able to get their word out and say what's up to the people. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, we definitely want to highlight everything you've done just because mm-hmm. you've done a lot. But I want to get started here, of course. You know, you did some behind-the-scenes work with Black early on, but a lot of people know you from your time, especially with Bad Boy. That's where you got your start mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people. So I guess when you first got to Bad Boy and – you know, at that time, there's so much talent in the studio, in that camp. Who was the first writer, producer, or artist that made you realize, like, I got to get to that level? Uh, immediately, probably Mario Wines. Mm. Um, when I first, well, my manager at the time, um, he was super, super familiar with, with Mario. So yeah. um, when we walked in the studio, he walked into Mario's room. And, you know, Rio was like, yo, you know, it was happy to see each other. They hadn't seen each other for years. And right. so, you know, coming from Atlanta, I had always worked with producers that weren't, you know, on the level yet, but they were really talented, right? right. Um, and so when I got into that building and I saw how he was working and the way the drum sounded, and the, I, I had never heard sounds come out of a speaker like that, like, the way he was mixing, I don't know, bro. It was nuts. It just made me feel like, okay, I got to really, really, really up my level. Like, this is this is not, a, you know, like, I can't come in here and be playing with these guys. They're going to kick me up right. out of here. Yeah, and especially during that time, Mario Winans is there. Stevie J is oh, there yeah. as well. These guys, oh, yeah. they can pick up any instrument and just go. <laughs> 100%. No question about it. 100%. Crazy. Yeah. So one of the earlier placements for you during your bad boy era was Jennifer Lopez, right out the gate. Jennifer Lopez in the studio, you're working with Mario Winans and Diddy on the song. At that time, how hands on are you with the record or are you kind of playing second fiddle to these guys? Or do you recognize right away that you got to you got to step in and give it give it what you have to offer? Well, Puff is the type of guy. um, He does not believe in handouts. Um, okay. And so the, the the story is a very long story. I'm gonna try to shorten it. So um, yeah. when I first got into the studio, Puff had me. Now this is my first time meeting him. He had mm. me waiting um, to you know to sit down and meet him. So then he walks in. Um, we're in his office, which was in Daddy's house. It was in the back of the lounge. We're in his, his office, and he puts this beat on, right? And he tells me, "Yo, can you write to this?" I'm like, "Okay, cool. Who for?" You know. <laughs> He said, he said, write, write to it for a girl. Cool. So I write the song. Um, I got maybe the first verse and a little bit of the hook out. Um, it's about 15 minutes later, he comes back and he's like, uh, all right, let me hear what you got. So the beat immediately comes on. It's like, and I say, I know that you, but he stops and he's like, that's trash. Terrible. No, right. <laughs> Word up. Right. So I'm like, uh, Okay, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he tells me to write it again and on his way out he says, Listen, Playboy, I know you're not used to that, but I can't treat you no different than I treat everybody else. 
write that shit again. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool. So now I'm thinking about like, yo, this is my opportunity. This is my chance. You know, you know those moments in life where we say, if I ever had the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z, I would blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Um, right. You know, I'm thinking this is that moment and I'm messing it up. I'm not, you know, I'm not stepping up to, you know, my, my full ability and not stepping up to the plate. So he comes back in another 15 minutes. I got the entire song written. Um, mm. And so I sing that song to him. He's just staring at me, right? Like me mugging, like, you know what I mean? I sing the yeah. whole song through. Um, he asked me to sing it again. And then he calls Jennifer into the room, mm. right? I sing it to her. He asked her if she likes it. She said, yes. Um, and then he says, yo, can you, uh, you know how to work, you know how to work uh, S- uh, Pro Tools? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't. But I was like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I do, yeah. He was like, you know how to work at SSL? Once again, I didn't. But what do you think I said? Absolutely, 100%. I know how to work at SSL. Yeah, of course I did. So then he was like, all right, cool. You recording that on her tonight. Wow. What? <laughs> so, you know, um, he puts me in the studio. I record the joint on her. The engineer helps me set the SSL up. And, uh, you know, that was my first bad boy experience it was cutting that record on her Corey rooney was sitting in the back Corey was always her vocal producer this particular mm-hmm. day though i think puff wanted to know what he had with me mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um and so you know they let me live and, and i cut the record on her that night it was walking on sunshine right now your vocal production i was going to get into it later but mm-hmm. it's top-notch vocal production that's i feel like is one of you, the man. underrated aspects of just a producer is being able to guide a singer through all that. And I feel like you have that to the highest level. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, it. I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think that's something that, that has always kind of been um, super important to me because the art of storytelling through song is something that's really, really, really important. And it's vital to conveying whatever the emotion is that the songwriter wanted to convey through their lyrics right? right so if you can't if you can't bring that vision to life um you know sometimes the artist isn't able to tap into whatever it is that was written for them they just like the song and right. so you have to pull you have to tell them this is the emotion i need it to sound like this i need the person to feel this when you say that word cry when you say that word shout when you say, you know what i mean it's just right. that kind of thing about trying to capture whatever the songwriter was trying to um, put forward. That's, that's really what it is. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier, like, we know Diddy is, he's a genius. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you wrote a record initially. He came out and told you it was whack. Yeah. And, you know, Diddy, Diddy's opinion is just one opinion, obviously. Yeah. But when you look back now at that first version you did, would you consider that to be whack? Or was it just not up to what Diddy was looking for? This is this is what I've learned about the music industry in general. You know, I'm I've been you know, I've been doing this twenty years, man. I I think that what most people want um is usually what you have to so let's say this, right? You what what, what type of car do you like? You right. like uh, you like just say if you like a BMW, right? Sure. Does yeah. that mean does that mean like a Toyota Camry or a Benz is whack? No, mm, it's just that no. that's what you like. And so right. you have to get past um, where if I did something, they don't like it. That just means that they had a different vision. It doesn't mean that what you did wasn't good. 
It just right. didn't carry out the vision that they saw when they first said, oh, I have this idea. And I think that's what I've learned. Because originally, when people tell you, no, nah, I don't like it, you take it personal when you're young. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then as time goes on, you start to realize, oh, okay, that just means that they heard a different idea. So let me just try and figure out what they heard. And that's it. Right. Well, let me flip the script. What about this? I'll give you this scenario. Mm-hmm. What if you write something, you think it's whack, but they mm-hmm. think it's good? Like, that's, that, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's no, different. that's happened to me a bunch. And, and yeah. a lot of times, I'm, I, I'll be quite honest with you, bro. The very first time I heard my boo back, I wasn't mm. sure. I wasn't sure about <laughs> it. I wasn't sure. Jermaine was, he was 100% sure. I love it. I, that's it. Nigga. That's it. Then he played it like 15 times back to back to back. I was like, right. wow, I guess he really liked that joint. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that, that happens a lot. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you miss it. But um, something I learned about, uh, you know, songwriting from Babyface, this is, you know, I used to work with him for about two years. And he said that whenever you feel like a song is not good, you got to mm-hmm. write through it anyway. Go ahead and finish it out. Get that mm-hmm. energy all the way out. Because if you think the record isn't good, that's okay. But on the other yeah. side of that energy is a hit record. So don't mm-hmm. stop. Don't stop that energy. Get it all the way out. And so you can receive the next energy, which is more than likely probably going to be a hit. Right. <laughs> Love Real it. Talk. So. It's time to go back to your history a little bit. I got to mm-hmm. give you a shout out, first of all, as we're talking about the Bad Boy Records. Faith Evans, Don't Cry. Yeah. Oof. That's a bad record right there. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. Now, my, my guy, B. Cox, he um, is like, you know, it's my brother. I, I think he joined in here, too. What up, B. Cox? Yeah. Um, we, I, I, I met B. Cox when we were both 19 years old. He already had Get Gone Out, um, you know, so he was he was the toast of the town already at 19, right? And, uh, you know, I played him and I was like, yo, you know, I've been writing a couple of things up there for Puff. I can play you some stuff I wrote. And I remember playing that for him. He was like, yo, he went nuts. The, you know, <laughs> the, the sample, because, you know, of course, Brian is a music historian. So he knows original records and where records came from and how the sample was an outcast and goody mom record. And, you know what I mean? So I think I think that record kind of forged our relationship later on um and you know we just became super super close after that right now two of the biggest records that you did early on in your career i need a girl part one and Mm -hmm. part two Mm -hmm. you know i think in another interview you told me that those were kind of done around the same time the same day take take me through the origins of that of those two songs okay so again back to mario right mario was doing his album and uh, he didn't have a first single. He had done majority of the album. He was trying to make a single. And so he had the, I need to go to, he had the original part one in the studio, right? In studio eight. So he yeah. goes over there. He's like, yo, bro. Um, and shout out to Jack Knight and Lowdown too. Um, you know, we all kind of had a hand in both records. Um, so the four of us are, are the guys that really did both of those records. But, so he calls us over there, yo, this is my idea, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, right? So we do that joint. I'm, we doing our, all the ad-libs, all them ad-libs, all that kind of stuff, right? We get the record done. Yep. We present it to Puff, right? Puff comes over. He's like, yo, this joint is crazy, sick. Oh, this joint is crazy, right? So Puff was like, yo, I got to get on this joint. I got to get on it. So Mario was like, all right, cool. Hop on it. 
right? I don't know how it turned from Puff hopping on it to it being his record, but that's neither right. here nor there. So <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So Puff gets on the record, right? Um, and then Usher is coming down the hall. Not many people know. Um, I grew up with Usher in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So Usher is coming down the hall to record it. I don't know, you know, I guess he was happened to be in New York. I don't know how that all happened, but um so he comes down the hall, he sees me. We hadn't seen each other since we were like 17 years old. And he's like, uh, yo, what's up, bro? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yo, is that you singing on that song in there? I'm like, yeah, oh, I knew that. I knew I knew that voice, right? So Usher goes to record the record. So Mario was like, all right, cool. This ain't my record no more. No problem. I'm going to go to the <laughs> other. I'm going to go to the other room and make another one. So my man Frankie, who's playing the guitar on the joint, they go into Studio B. I go down, I go down, you know, down the street to get something to eat. I come back. Mario got right. He got that joint playing. So I'm like, woo, this joint is crazy, right? So we record that. I get the hook. What I need is a pretty one, right? Do all of that. Puff comes in to hear that joint. Cause you know, the way we used to create, Puff used to always approve everything. So, um, you know, literally, they're over there in Studio A recording the other one. Puff comes over to this room, to Studio B, to hear this one. And he's like, yo, this joint crazy, yo. I got to get on this joint, man. Like, yo, this joint is out of here. So Puff hops on that one, <laughs> takes it, and then puts Genuine and, you know, and, Lee, and, and for, you know, fortunately for Rio, he was able to stay on the record, which was good for him too. And then, you know, obviously Rio had that heater come out that was his this single. Uh, I don't want to know if you're playing with right. So then he put that heater out, and you know, all was right in the universe. But we did both of those records an hour behind each other, though. That's crazy. And yeah. and the thing is, both songs became hits. Oh yeah, which is yeah. unheard of. <laughs> oh yeah, and so cra- yeah. crazy, crazy thing, right? So. I had never, I still wasn't signed to Puff yet. So mm. um, I had never like heard a record that I've written where like a bunch of people liked it. So it was around my birthday. Me and Puff's birthday are three days apart, right? Um, so Puff takes the record from the studio, goes to the club. We go to Spa. This is when Spa in New York was still popping. We go to the club. He drops the record like five times back to back at the club plays. I need a girl part one in the club straight from the studio. Right. And okay. when I'm watching all of these people like singing the ad libs and dog, it was, it was the greatest feeling I ever felt, bro, to like see people singing something that came from me. And, dog, it was just, it was nuts. And you know, yeah. Puff has champagne. He's like, welcome to bad boy, baby. You are now officially part of the family. You got your first hit. Boom, boom. Like, dog, it was, it, was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life, man. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, for me, when I listen to both songs, obviously both hits, I feel like, I think I Need a Girl Part 1 was bigger at the time, but there's something about Part 2 that has just made such a huge impact culturally. Yeah. I don't know what, what it is about. I think it may be the production. I don't know what Possibly. it is, Part 2. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. Yeah, it's a crazy record. Yeah. yeah. Nah, them joints was knockouts. Yeah. Them joints was knockouts. <laughs> So 2003 comes along. I got to give mm-hmm. you a shout out for working on that Latif project. I don't know if Corey's in here, but <laughs> it's amazing records in there. And then, of course, you did the Beyonce record, Summertime. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll talk about that song a little bit. Um, summertime was almost kind of an accident. 
So okay. um, Ryan Leslie, still a good friend of mine. Shout out to Ryan Leslie. Um, he was about to sign to Bad Boy at the time. And, um, you know, Puff had put him in a room. He was actually signed to one of Puff's producers um, who, was, who, was a, who was a hit man, right? And so, you know, you know, the guy was like, yo, I'm telling you, I got this kid. He's dope. He's trying to decide whether he should go to college or just so, just so people, you know, don't get it twisted. Ryan Lizard is probably one of the most intelligent human beings on this planet. He graduated yep. Harvard at 16. Right. No cap. That's no right. cap. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, Ryan is, Ryan got a crazy head on his shoulder. So he was trying to decide whether or not he was going to go work for JP Morgan or oh, be wow. a music producer. And so this song was kind of like, if this works, then I'll do music. If not, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this interview tomorrow at JP Morgan and Chase. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, you know, Puff called me and I was like, yo, Beyonce wants to do a solo album. This is strictly under the books. Nobody knows about this. Um, I want you to write two records for her. Cool. So one of those beats, well, actually, one of those beats was Ryan Leslie's beat, Keep Giving Your Love to Me. And then the other one was Stevie J and Mario. That was Summertime, right? So I wrote mm -hmm. both of those back to back because Beyonce was on her way to the studio. So we had to, we had to have something to present. We didn't have nothing to present. She was going <laughs> to be in the studio in two hours, right? Mm -hmm. So she's coming, boom, she comes in. Me and Puff in there, we play her both records. She falls in love with Summertime, right? Right. So I left the second verse and the bridge open. Her cousin, Angela, you know, I don't know if everybody's familiar with Angela. Angela and Beyonce, they both wrote the second verse and the bridge, right? Okay. So cool. Everybody's happy. She, we, I, I vocal produced her. Vocal producing her, like the three, vocal, the three vocalists that I have enjoyed produ vocal producing the most, is her, Brandy, and Christina DeBarge. Those three mm -hmm. vocalists, whatever I tell them to do, they can do. Right. It's the it's the craziest thing ever. So, um, you know, do, did that record. Jay Z was calling up to the studio. He wanted to hear the record. This is when they first was, you know, starting the date. You know what I mean? Um, so Jay comes up. He hears the record, and uh, you know, he's the one that actually suggested that we put a rapper on it. And then Ghostface. Came by the studio. Puff was playing Ghostface some other records. Ghostface steals the CD from the studio, right? <laughs> Goes back to Wu Tang Studio, put his verse on it, and throw the joint on the radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, 2004 rolls, ar rolls around, and you got multiple placements on multiple bad boy projects Mario Winans, yep. New Edition, Carl Thomas. At this point, what clicks for you or what does Diddy see in you at this point that makes you get on all these placements? Um, ultimately, I think because, I, well, it's kind of unfair because I, I, I lived with Puff for about four years, right? You know, oh. first four years of Bad Boy. So I like we, you know, on the way home, we would discuss what records he wanted me to fix or I want you to change this verse. I want you to fix this hook. So I kind of was tuned in to his ear. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And so I was, I was able to really figure out sometimes something that I may not have natural a place I may not have naturally went, but because right. I know that's what he would want to hear, that's where I would go. You know what I right. mean? Um, and and that's how really I built that relationship with him, where he was like, Nah, nah, just let Adonis write it. Yeah, nah, give it to Adonis, give it to Adonis. 
Um, you know, it became that kind of thing. And, and I think that ultimately that's what led to all of those placements coming back to back to back to back like that was because I just was watching what made him, t what made him tick. And I tried to write that every single time he gave me a beat to write to. Mm. So one of the projects that came, like I mentioned, that new edition project, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Obviously we all grew up. We love new edition as yeah. a songwriter, producer. Um, how do you kind of approach working with, a group like that that has so much legacy and history to it do you yeah. try to put your own stamp to it let's say for example with this project did you try to put your own stamp to it or was it just trying to follow the new edition blueprint no nah, well we i mean i every every guy who's a songwriter um and most and most of my guys can can admit to this all the guys that are in my generation where you know yeah. we was 90s babies um and what i mean by that is like we were teenagers in the 90s we right. all grew up on New Edition and Boys to Men and Jodeci. Those three yes. groups kind of shaped who we are as songwriters. We all was in groups and sung those songs. You know what I mean? So I kind of knew the anatomy of New Edition anyway. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, and so when I went in, credit to them, they gave me the keys. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They said, listen, man, we old. You young. <laughs> you, you know, whatever you tell us to do, that's what we're going to do. And I said, okay, cool. You know? And so at that point, I, I basically tried to do what I know that they naturally lean towards, you know what I mean? But also giving them something that would be relevant for somebody that was my age. You know, them guys is 20 years older than us. You know what right. I mean? Um, so, you know, trying to give them what I felt like, would work for them now, but not moving too, not straying too far away from what their natural um, aspiration was as, as artists, you know, it, and th that was, that was fun being able to do that with them. I got, you know, I got really cool with them to the point to where, you know, we, they would joke and say it was going to kick Ricky out the group and replace him with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause me and Rick was the same height. They would be like, right. all right, Rick, you keep on. We're going to kick you out the group, put a Donuts in the group. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a fun time with them guys. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, along with your songwriting is, is your is your production as well. A lot of people don't know that you make tracks as well. Yeah. You did that on the Latif album, but yeah. um, you know, the Orion album as well and the Sierra joint. We'll talk about that one in a sec. But what I love about your production is it's simplistic. You're not adding a lot of different sounds, yeah. a bunch of different things. It's just very straightforward. Um, just talk about the production aspect of your career. Um. Um, I don't I don't know if, if JD knows this or not, but uh like my spirit producer animal, if if mm. you want to call it that, is Jermaine Dupree. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So I always this is this is what I felt like. Like Teddy Riley is the guy who we all aspire to be. You know what I mean? Babyface is the songwriter we all aspire to be. You know what I mean? But when you when you realize that there are things that you just cannot do musically. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> then you, you try to find something that's more in line with what you can do and what you're good at. And what, what I realized I was great at is a, a bop, a jam. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Sitting, sitting stuff in the pocket. And JD is the king of, of taking five sounds, a, a kick, an 808, a clap, a hi-hat, and a, and a guitar sound, and making that thing sound like it's, you know, Jamie Lewis or Quincy Jones or something. He's the king right. of that. And so I just naturally was like, okay, well, I can do that. 
I can I can do that. I don't you know I don't have to be. I play piano, but I'm not the best piano player. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know I I never be able to make a record sound like how B. Cox naturally can just play piano with his eyes closed. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. I can't play like that. So I got to figure out how to make my music sound dope and mm-hmm. still, you know, utilize what I'm great at. And the, right. the thing that I'm the best at, I think, when it comes to production is I don't produce and then write to my beats. I write a right. song and then I produce a beat around my song. You see what I mean? Because I'm naturally right. a songwriter first. And so JD being a songwriter as well, I just naturally lean toward that. And so that's why my beats are really simple like that, trying to emulate what I saw him do. Right. Nice. Now, mm-hmm. let's get to that Sierra record here. Sierra and I, great record. And Sierra is not necessarily a vocal powerhouse, like maybe a Beyonce, but what you did with her on that record, mm-hmm. you know, you could still, it still had feeling to it. Yeah. So... You know, a lot of people don't understand that you don't have to sing and belt at the top of your lungs to bring feeling to a record. So um, just talk about the approach with that record. Um, so a lot of people don't know this either. It's so funny. I'll be feeling like I'm I'll be telling like these stories all the time. But um, Sierra, <laughs> I actually was her very first vocal trainer. So mm. shout out to Anthony Tate and T.A., he found Sierra at 14 years old, 13 years old, actually. Um, and so a friend of mine, my guy, Al Jamal, who now manages another friend of mine, my guy, Black Elvis, um, Al Jamal and I used to hang together every single day, right? Al Jamal, used to, he was in a group called 20 East. There was a rap group. And so uh, Sierra used to live down the street from him. And so he would pick her up from cheerleading practice Cause she went to, you know, she was a cheerleader. He would pick her up from cheerleading practice, bring her to my house to, you know, so we could make, you know, make records on her. Her dad would call at eight o'clock and tell us we got to bring her home. The whole thing, right? Um, and the and I record came out of me and Sierra having a conversation about this little boy that she had a crush on that was a basketball player, right? Mm. Uh, and this this is a true story. So she says to me. You know, this guy, I like this guy, and he's, he plays basketball for the team, and da-da-da-da. And so I remember saying to her, sitting on the couch, I'm like, Cece, why you like the guy? Oh, because he played basketball, and I just always saw myself with a basketball player. I'm like, who, <laughs> who cares? I mean, she's 14, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, who cares about a basketball player, Cece? Don't look for that. Look for a guy that's really going to love the way that you, you know, you want a guy to love you. Like, don't care. Who cares if he plays basketball? Who cares if he's a football player? He got money, whatever. As yeah. long as he treats you right, that's all you need to care about. And she was right. like, okay, but I still want a basketball player. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And so that's why the very first line of that record is, I don't need me a basketball player. You know what I'm saying? All I need is somebody that's down for me. So it, it was kind of out of a, a for real conversation that she and I had when she was a 14-year-old girl. Right. And I think the beauty of that record and a lot of records we're going to talk about shortly is that some might not have ended up being number one hits, but they ended yeah. up being fan favorites. And 100%. I think that's an underrated aspect is you got to make sure the fans and their core like the record as well. Yeah, yeah. And so. and then, you know, I was on a Kehlani's Live the other day and she started playing And I and was like, this is one of my favorite records. So... You know, wow. it's just you, you, you don't never really you don't ever really know the impact you make when the records you make them. You just make them and then you right. hope that people love them. You know what I mean? Right. So that yeah. that was cool for me to see her 
you know, singing every word. And, you know, that was really cool for me. Yeah. So 2005 rolls along. And from this point on, for the next four or five years, yeah. you're on every R&B album. You, Beatbox, <laughs> I don't know between the two of you who has more placements during that time, but you guys are on every single <laughs> album. Yeah. Um, I think Brian told me one year you guys had like 70-something placements together. It was, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take me back to that era and what that was like from a creative standpoint, like, do you think you could do that again? Yeah, well, I, here's the deal, right? So me and Brian had kind of got into a groove. We figured out the best way to work with each other. So Brian, it, it, it had got so crazy, Brian would be making the beat, like literally mm -hmm. like making it, and I would already be writing a song wow. in my head, walking in the studio while he's making the beat. You know what I mean? Not waiting for him to be done. And Sam mm -hmm. would, our, our engineer Sam, that's also our brother Sam I Am, he would be setting up the session already, knowing exactly how Brian wants the sounds to sound, how I like the auto-tune to sound, whatever it is, right? Right. Um, and so we just had kind of got into a groove where we could do like three, four songs from scratch a day. You wow. know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I mean like no beat, no nothing, walk into a room and come out and at the end of the day it'd be three or four records, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, that during that time it was just super, super cool and, and you, you're right, I definitely would have my own so like there would be times where me and Brian would have two records on an album and then I would have my own two by myself, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, it just, it just was a, a natural progression from me just being a songwriter and then now having this wonderful partner who had had so much success with JD and had his own success by himself. Right. And then I had my own success and we just, you know, it just, it just naturally clicked. We traveled like, you know, labels would uh, give us song deals and we'd go to, you know, LA and be out there for four months and just right. have the label keep renewing our hotels and keep sending us <laughs> artists. It was really, it was really, it was a wonderful time, man. We had, we had a ball during that time. I mean, between yourself, Brian, and Kendrick, that time and the chemistry that you guys have, you yeah. guys were in just such a zone there. Are you oh, guys yeah. at that time aware of, like, you guys are in a zone and everything you guys put, are, is put, putting out is just amazing? Because to my, yeah. my perspective, everything you guys put out was just gold. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah I, shout out to Ken, too. Ken, like, came in like a little thief in the night, man. Because, yeah. because he's so – Ken is so unassuming. But then when you see him sit in front of that piano, out of here. Yeah. Out of here. Ken, yeah. and that's, he's, he's another great piano player, too. Them dudes really, they, they figured out how to make that piano do what it's supposed to do, man. And right. then what's funny is they're cousins, their first cousins, mm -hmm. Beacox and Kendrick. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, let's talk about a couple of records during this era. Mm -hmm. Say Goodbye by Chris Brown. That's one yep. of the ones that stand out, obviously. Yep. Um, early on, you did some work with Chris. Just talk about those sessions. Yeah. So um, Tina Davis brought Chris to us before he had a deal. Um, and she was like, hey, I'm thinking of, you know, getting this kid signed at Def Jam, blah, 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 blah. He was like, all right, cool. So she brings him in. We do like four records on Chris in like two days. You know what I mean? Um, shout out to Raheem Devon. I saw you just came in. What up, bro, bro? Um, <laughs> so we do like, uh, you know, four records on Chris in two days. Say goodbye was one of those four. Um, the right. other three ended up all being, they, all, they actually took all four of them and they ended up being on Chris's first album. Yeah, One mm -hmm. More Again, somebody said One More Again, Winner, um, Say Goodbye, 
Um, so we we had we had a few records that came on there, but uh, from there, Chris was just super comfortable working with us, and so we ended up being able to do a lot more records with him. And you know, we we were able to do this Christmas with him, and we did the try a little tenderness with him. So um, it really ended up being a great marriage for us with Chris. That you know, he was he's still like my little brother. And that diagnosed with love song. Oh yeah, yeah. Unreleased, a crazy record. Yeah, yeah, man. That whole that whole album, it was just, it was crazy. How how that even happened? They played us. Tank had did this record. I saw you had Tank on earlier too. Yep. He had did this record, and I can't remember the name of it. I want to say it was Picture Perfect or Picture Something. It was something okay. like that. He had did this joint, and they was like, "Yo, this is the only record we got for the album. We starting the album all over with this one." We was like. Okay, cool. So, you know what I'm saying? We went in two weeks. We had a whole album done. Like, mm. literally, we did an entire album. Y'all, like, some of the records that came out, like, y'all didn't even get to hear a lot of the other ones. We we did an entire album on Chris. Wow. Yeah. Right. And, um, and they ended up only keeping a couple of them. They, you know, got some Pharrell records and ended up, you know, spanning out some. But we did a lot of records on Chris during that time in two weeks, bro. A lot of records. We had fun. We had super fun in Chalice in L.A. Right. So, you know, I, I've always heard that Chris, especially early on, like he got it right away. He totally understood oh, yeah. what you guys were doing and he, he just picked it up immediately. 100%. As a vocal producer or even, you know, working with someone in the studio, you're going to have at, you're going to have situations like Chris where they get it right away. What about mm -hmm. those situations with artists that don't get it right away that you have to. I guess work with them a little longer. How patient can one really be? Uh, it gets tough. Yeah. <laughs> it gets tough, but uh, what 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 I've learned um, is that most of these artists um, they're not as confident as mm. they lead on, right? Right. <laughs> um, and so you have to kind of and and you know what I'm a victim of it too, right? So when I'm you know vocal producing. Um, I'm sure of exactly how I want it to sound. I'm sure of where I want the song to go. When I'm singing in the booth, I have to like stop, listen, and then become an artist again, and then stop and then listen. Like you know what I mean? So I I get it. Like being those headphones, man. They 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 change the game for you when you're behind them headphones and you listening <laughs> back to your voice. It's it's tough. You know what I mean? But you know, with somebody who really don't have the chops to pull it off. You know, you just have to find out what they're great at and then stay there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like somebody like Mary, uh, Mary J. Blige, right? Mary J. Blige's voice, the timbre of her voice, she makes you believe whatever it is that she's saying. Right. Whatever it is she's saying. She's not going to go in there and outrun you like Brandy. Like Brandy can go in there and do anything with her voice. Whatever, whatever right. you want to do, she can do it. It's not Mary's gift, but Mary's gift is she makes you believe, right? And so mm -hmm. you just yeah. you just sit in that pocket with Mary where she gets to soul you to death. You know what I mean? Um, right. And that's and that's kind of and that's kind of what you have to do. Right. Love it. Yeah. So as the years progress, you do a bunch of work with Cherish. That was mm -hmm. a big one for you yeah. guys. Yeah. And you know, throughout the entire process, you're working on albums, and then you're working on subsequent albums like a Chris. So is your approach then, like, how do you build from the first album that you're working with them on to the second one? Are you trying to continue what you've done? Are you trying to bring them something new? Like, what's the, what, what's the process there? Um, 
it just depends on the story that the artist wants to tell. So uh, a lot of times, you know, for instance, let's like we'll use Usher, right? So with Usher, you know, not very many people know uh, the Confessions album, you know, the whole situation with finding out you got a girl pregnant and being with another girl and having to end this relationship and figure things out with the girl you got pregnant, you know, um, that actually was Jermaine's story. Mm -hmm. Right. A, yeah. a lot of people don't know that, um, you know, Usher, Usher put the jacket on and he wore it well. Right. And yeah. so then Usher, you know, had here I stand, you know, and that and that was a different story. And so you just have to figure out whatever the artist, whatever story the artist is trying to tell. Um, right. And that's something else I learned from Puff, too, is that the entire album from start to finish should sound like a conversation. It shouldn't right. be random thoughts tied together. You know, that's why Thriller is still one of the greatest selling albums of all time. If not, the, I think it is the best selling album of all time. Um, it's because all those records have a, like, it's a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's a complete thought. Um, it's not just, we in the club popping bottles, we fucking bitches, and now we, <laughs> now we making money. Yeah! Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's an entire thought. And so, you just dive into whatever that is and you help the artist tell the story that they're trying to tell. Right. So even during this time when you're working extensively with Brian and you're doing your own thing, you're also in the studio with Ronnie Jerkins. You guys are doing songs as well with Dark Child. Mm -hmm. um, just talk about, you know, those sessions right there. Cause like, man, that Jay Holiday record without you, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. So yeah. now, so Rodney, um, and you know, uh, speaking of that, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I don't mention Big Shears. My brother, you know, rest exactly. in peace. I love you, bro. Um, but so that that whole dynamic between that's another dynamic duo. Those two guys. Oh yeah. So you know, uh, I got the call to go and work with Rodney from my publisher, um, mm -hmm. and so they was like, "Yo, Rodney wants to work with you." This was off of "I Need a Girl," right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, Rodney wants to go work with you. Wants you to come and work with him. Blah 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 blah. So me and my sister Makiba Riddick, we both flew down to Orlando to work with Rodney, right? Mm -hmm. um, in those three or four days, we was down there maybe four or five days, we did 17 brand new songs. Right. No cap, right? <laughs> um, 17 brand new songs in like three or four days. Out of those songs came the Avant records that me and Rodney did. It came the Mariah record that we did. It came the Sierra record that LaShawn did with Rodney. I can't leave him alone. All of those songs were written in that camp that we did those four days. Wow. Yeah, bro. We was, I don't know what, I, I don't know <laughs> what happened, but we was moving. We was moving. Right. That's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you two records here and I'm going to go on record and say that these two are my favorite Adonis B. Cox collaborations. <laughs> might be controversial. We might get some comments in here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> first one is the day 26 record since you've been going. Okay. That record right there is crazy. Yeah. 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 No, so you you know, so all the making the band, um, all the episodes that Puff did, I was involved pretty heavily. So like right. people don't know, I wrote every theme song for making the band. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, as the show would be coming on, the record that they was playing for the show to come on, um, yeah. I wrote I I would write those, right? And so right. the guys, Puff Puff kind of put me in with the guys because the guys were very, very talented, but they were super raw, right? They were super raw. And they didn't really know how to connect 
um, that making a record and singing on a song are two completely different things. And they didn't know how to connect that. And so I kind of just, you know, went in with the guys and this, this one particular joint, they kept asking me for a Jodeci sounding song. Man, we want a Jodeci sounding song. We wanted to, I'm like, yo, I try. Like, you know what I mean? But y'all don't got Jodeci sounding voices, but we're going to try. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's how since you've been gone, I just can't seem to get right. And I miss you more than you know. You know what I mean? We was trying to do it in, in, in a, like an homage to Jodeci. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's how that joint came out. That's dope. And then the other record that uh, I'll say is one of my favorites from you guys is the Mariah Carey record for the record. Oh, yeah. That's, wow. That's, that's a yeah. crazy record. Yeah. Um. Mariah is probably the most talented songwriter that's an artist mm -hmm. that I ever worked with, ever, right? Mariah, when we, when we did those sessions, her process is something like it's, uh, so I'll explain. We, we, we literally like flew down to Anguilla with Mariah and for three days, all we did was write melodies. Like da 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 for three days, <laughs> I promise right. you. And then she, on the third day, she was like, "All right, I feel like we got it. Now right. let's put some lyrics to it." Okay, cool. Whatever you say, MC. That's what we're doing. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> um, and so then we began to write lyrics. She literally sat down. We wrote line for line. I would come up with a line. She would come up with a line. Brian would come up with a line. I would come up with a line. Like, it was literally like round robin, like that. Um, it, was, it was by far one of the most enjoyable um, songwriting sessions with, a, with an artist that, I, that I've ever had. And, right. like, she's, she really gets, she gets it. She gets it for real. Yeah, love it. So, yeah. like I said, during this period, you guys are on fire. And as the years progress, R&B starts changing. Yeah. Uh, the industry starts changing. Yeah, um, you guys are still having some success. The genuine record, of course, last chance, yep. Monica's album. So you guys are still having success. But from your perspective, what kind of change? I know, like personally, Brian was saying, you guys, like, um, I think you got married. He had a kid, so yeah. things got things changed from that perspective too. But just bring me to that era when things started changing. Like, how were you maneuvering through the industry then? Um, I I think I think Brian kind of hit it on the head. When we were younger, we yeah. had the mentality of being the best producers in the world, right? right. Um, we didn't have any other obligations. We had no other responsibilities. We were only right. responsible for ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you grow up and your responsibilities change and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I found myself missing football practice and I found myself missing, you know, um, ballet recitals with my daughter or whatever, whatever, the, you know what I mean? I found myself missing those types of things and it, and, it, and it hurt, you know what I'm saying? So then you start to say, okay, well, I don't have to go on this trip. I can go on the next one, you know what right. I mean? Um, and then, you know, before long, the, the, the industry is a fickle business, man. You know, right. and then now you got songwriters that were waiting their turn um, right. you know, like, like Rico love, like when, you know, when Rico first came in, everybody always knew Rico was dope. He just right. needed somebody to sing his songs. That's mm -hmm. it. That's it. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so, you know, 
we decide to focus on family and, you know, do that. And then, you know, people are looking for songwriters. And right. so who shows up is the guy who's just as talented, if in some cases probably more talented, right? Um, guys like Rico Love, guys like Neo, guys like, you know, um, um, Atazio, young Atazio came through at that time. You know what yep. I mean? Um, you know, those guys come in and, and, and then they're able to capitalize on the space where we are sitting out. And, uh, right. and so, you know, we, obviously we will always get like JD just sent me a beat yesterday for Usher. So right. we'll always get the Usher records and the Mariah's and, you know, our, our regular one twos. But when your when your focus shifts and you start to, you know, realize other things are important, that's the only thing that changes. Right. And that's well, the only I think thing that changes. I think the other aspect is during that time period, that's when that EDM era started Correct. kicking in. Correct. And, uh, and I, I know you, you've been able to write those as well, but when you look yeah. at it from an album perspective, that's six EDM records and six R&B records, as opposed to traditionally you're looking at 12 R&B records. Correct. So it, it was Correct. a lot of changes that happened during that time, but I know that didn't stop you. You were still writing at the time. Yeah. You started dibbling and dabbling outside of R&B. Just talk about that era for yourself. Yeah, so... Um, well, I moved to L.A. in 2010, 2009, 2010, right? Um, and when you go out to L.A., LA is, a, is such a different world, man. So, you know, in Atlanta, everything is about culture. Everything is about style. Everything is about, um, you know, cool. Everything is cool. It's style. It's culture. Like, you know, it, it's, it's very street-driven, everything, right? When you get to L.A., Everything is glitz, glamour. Um, I don't want—I don't want to use the word fake, but pretentious. I'll use that word, right? Yeah. Um, and so, the, the things that they care about um, are not are not as important as the things that people in Atlanta care about. And so, right. part of that is most of the culture in LA is very pop driven, right? Yeah. Um, and so, if you want to, you know, you, I moved out there. I bought this big, big, big ass million dollar house, move out there. And I'm like, okay, I'm finna go flood these labels with these R&B records. And then, <laughs> and then these, these niggas was like, nah, we don't want that. You got some, right. uh, boom, tam, boom, tam, boom, tam, boom, tam. you got some of that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, I ain't got none of that. So I'm like, okay, well, if I want to eat, I better figure out how to make some of that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's really how, how that came. It came out of, it, it was born out of a necessity to try and branch, branch out. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and that's how I was able to do, you're probably talking about the Enrique Iglesias record and, yeah. you know, the, the Joe Jonas joint, um, kleptomaniac yeah. that I did. Um, yeah. it was just born out of, out of a necessity to try and show people I'm not just a one trick pony by just doing R and B, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's, it's fun to do those records they, they, the approach is different, but it's, it's still, it's very fun to do those records. And I have a greater respect for them now, especially because with Christania, she's, um, she's super, like she grew up listening to R and B obviously yeah. with her family, but she's, she's a pop girl. Mm. And so in order for me to be able to exist in the space, to be able to cr create records for her, I right. had to tune my ear to that. You know what I mean? Right. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And uh, can we just give a shout out one time for uh, Noticey? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, JQ, <laughs> Antonio Dixon. I got Tony Dixon, Eric Dawkins. Man, we had, listen. So 
<laughs> that joint, like, uh, we were making fun of this, this guy. It was this guy in the Bay Area. And we saw the video. And we thought it was the most hilarious thing we had ever seen. Right? Yeah. And so we was like, yo, why don't we just make a, make a, a, a like, a no-name group and act like it's not us? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, it, like I said, and you see, we, once again, we went back to Jodeci, right? Yeah. The, the the impact, of, like, Boys to Men sold more records, but the impact on the culture that Jodeci had is Barton. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Um, and so, you know, it just came, it just became noticing. Like, you know, it was yeah. it was just something that we was doing. For, and just to let you know, guys have nothing else better to do in the studio. This is yep. what we do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we have nothing else better to do. You know what I'm saying? So we, we created a whole fake group and really cut records. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was fun, though, man. It was super fun doing that. Them my guys, too. Those records were actually fire, too. That's the funny thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you guys had fans. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, we, we, had, we had a wonderful time doing that. I, I mean, I, re I really hope we can, like, really get back and do it again. That was one of the reasons, too, why I joined Clark Kent was because of the amount of fun that I had doing Jodeci. Mm -hmm. I mean, noticing yeah. um, doing that, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of just reminded me of just being with my boys and having fun and making records and, you know, not really trying to fit the format of a label or artist. We just having fun. You know what I'm right. saying? It was yeah. fun, man. Absolutely. So I've seen a lot of comments in here talking about Chris Brown's 2012 yeah. record right there. Yeah. 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 He, um, so Chris called me to the studio and I, and I kind of knew he was finishing his album up. Um, so he called me to the studio and was like, yo, can you, I need, he had a, don't judge me, please don't judge me. And I won't judge. Right. He had that. Um, and he was like, yo, can you make this joint? And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, cool. So I went back to the studio, um, and kind of made what I felt like was a sister record to, to don't judge me. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's ultimately what that came from. And then, you know, Chris always wants me to write him a sex song. I don't know why, but <laughs> he, like always like, bro, can, bro, can, can, can you write me a sex song? Yes, right. Chris. Okay, I'll write you a sex song. Bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we, uh, we had fun doing that joint too. Love it. And then because Raheem Devon is in here, let's give yeah. a shout out to Crybaby. We love that record. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that record was crazy too. Yeah, so him... He actually, that's, that's, Heem is another guy that really knows who he is, too. So Heem came to the studio. Um, I had a songwriter I was working with, a girl by, by the name of Georgia Rain. She was dope, super dope. So we had kind of had an idea already. Um, and then I played him that beat. And he was like, nah, nigga, forget that other idea. This the one right here, this one. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and we kind of all just sat down and wrote that joint. And we, because he, he we had this idea to kind of copy fortunate, fortunate to have you, girl, right? And so yeah. that's why you hear, boom, 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 you know, it kind of, we kind of modeled it after that. Um, and, uh, you know, he, to his credit, he knew exactly what he wanted to say, hopped in the beat, I mean, hopped in the booth and sung that joint down. He, like, Raheem is not a, he's not a punch guy. He likes to, right. like, no, nah, dog, just let me get it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and he would sing that joint all, he did his whole ad-lib track all the way down one time. Right. <laughs> one That's time, awesome. bro. Yeah, no, nah, he, he is dope. He real dope with That's that. Great. 
Nice. So uh, just want to quickly touch on this. I interviewed Black Elvis a couple of years back. When you guys mm -hmm. did the song Bridge to Love for Genuine, he was telling me that you guys did that song together over Skype, which yeah. at the time is unheard of. Um, and, and now with technology, you're not necessarily in the studio with the artists all the time. You guys can just send records to each other. Do you oh, think yeah. that takes away from the record? Um, no, no, not necessarily because when you, when you know who you are as, as, a, as a creator – you're able to, you're able to, like, for instance, the doing the whole Skype thing and writing, like, you know, um, over, over the airwaves and stuff was just, it, it became something that we had to do because everybody had to, you know, I got something over here I'm doing, you got something over there you're doing, I'm in LA, you're in Miami, but the artist says, hey, can you get Adonis to write to this? Or, hey, can you get Elvis to make a beat for us? Yeah, so how are we going to do that? He in the middle of doing something else. The only right. way we can do it is like this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't, I don't think anything is lost in translation because, uh, you know, he sent me the beat. I was playing it while he was, you know, playing it on his side. So we were syncing it that way. Um, and it, it was actually kind of cool. And I think, I think if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the actual reason why we did it that way was because I had got, well, this is crazy. I got hit by a car and my leg was oh, wow. toe up. Yeah. And so oh, I wow. couldn't, I couldn't physically go to the session, um, and so you know that that was ultimately why, why it ended up happening that way. That's crazy, it was crazy right? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I can't walk. I got hit by a car. Like you know, what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. So let's fast forward here. I want to first off give you a shout out for the work that you do with uh, Christina DeBarge. Yeah, crazy stuff in there. You guys have done a lot together. That EP, I feel like she should have. That should have elevated her career, but, you know, her, her music is still great, so we want to give her a shout-out. Yeah. But we're, we're in 2020 now, Adonis, and so much has changed with R&B, and some of the, the key things that I look at as not necessarily weaknesses, but just things that are different than what we grew up loving. Yeah. First of all, it's the amount of Melodyne and Auto-Tune that's being used. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the requirement vocally, like, it's not – the bar is really low right now in terms of that. And yeah. then along with that, it's the the length of the records. And I think a lot of that has to do with streaming. If you can get a shorter song in, you can listen to it more times and repeat it over and over. So a lot of records sure. now are like two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. How do you kind of approach your records when you're writing songs? Is that in your mind frame? Well, I, I, my, my process is never going to change, right? I'm going to always, um, you know, create the same way. Now, whether whether or not that's my little dog Gizmo. Now, whether or not you know people gravitate toward whatever the temperature is, is yeah. you know that's that's up for debate. But as far as how I create, I'm gonna always create the same way, no matter what. Right. Now, what happens is you find yourself having to fit into a certain level of what you think is going to be accepted to place it or to sell it. Right. right. And so you're like, okay, well, if they're doing shorter songs, then I need to kind of gravitate more towards, towards that. Cool. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then if, if, you know, if people are writing, you know, shorter verses or whatever, Right. So cool. Yeah. So you you do those things to try and make sure that you are, you know, fitting into 
the landscape of what you have to sell, but your process should always stay the exact same. You should right. never switch up your process. You know what I'm right. saying? And so that's, that's mostly what I try to do is just stay true to whatever my process is and then fix whatever the little things that need to change in order to fit into whatever people are doing today. That's it. Right. That's, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. So before we get into what you're currently working on, you got exactly. <laughs> um, so now I was saying I have a label. I have an artist, um, a little rapper, this kid named Ken Cool. Um, he's, mm -hmm. from, he's from my hometown. Um, he's super, super cool. You guys can follow him on Instagram. His, his, his uh, Instagram name is Real Can Cool. Um, R-E-A-L-C-A-N-C-O-O-L. Um, I have him. And then obviously, uh, Kristenia as well. Um, we're, we're focusing on getting her project out right now. Yeah, Chat Town Stand Up. What up, Cam? Um, we're focusing on, um, you know, getting her project done as well. Um, and so, you know, that, that's ultimately what's, 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 excuse me, most important for me now. I'm, I'm doing, obviously, like I said, you know, JD is reaching out to me. They're, they're trying to finish Usher's album. Um, obviously, Sex Beat is out right now going nuts. Um, don't yeah. waste my time. They had a hit with that. And so um, they're basically, as you guys probably already know, this is the name of the album is Confessions 2. Um, and so they're trying to recreate that magic from before, um, you know, and, and, and that's and so they're getting the same guys that were a part of that album. So they got Sean Garrett in there. Sean obviously did. Yeah. Um, Brian did burn. I did my boo. So, you know, they, they got the they got the usual suspects back in again to, to get everything going. So, um, you know, that's really that's really what I'm focused on mostly is those two projects that, that are mine and then trying to help Usher and then, you know, seeing what else J.D. needs me to do. Right. Love it. Yep. So, Donis, that was an hour with you. You went through all the history. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time and just wanted to let you know we admire, admire all the work that you've done in the past thank and we're going to look forward to everything you've got going for. So just keep us in the loop. You know, you got our, we, we're going to support you no matter what. Thank so you, bro. Keep us posted, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Shout out to everybody that came in and joined. I appreciate you guys really, you know, sticking with us and, you know, loving my music this whole time. It really, for sure, um, you know, makes me feel super appreciated. I, I really appreciate it for real, from the heart. I appreciate it, y'all. Thank y'all so much. All right, absolutely. Adonis, take care. For sure, bro. All right, so that was our interview with Adonis. I know a lot of people are asking me to put it up on YouTube. We will do that. We're going to save the link uh, or save the video, and we'll post it on YouTube, and, and as well as that, we'll post it on our Instagram. Um, we'll post 15-minute clips of it. I think that's the limit. So um, just follow us on Instagram. We got all the interviews, and if you want, go back. We've actually interviewed a lot of people over the last two weeks from Beacox to Tank to the list goes on and on so check it out and uh we'll be back on i think tomorrow yeah tomorrow i'll be interviewing bob robinson from tim and bob another legendary producer so just stay tuned we're trying to keep this culture of r&b alive so just stay stay with us all right you guys take care